0: Let's get straight into the word this morning. I've entitled my message, Remember to Forget. So I want to read the scripture that I've, um, that's going to be the text for this morning. And that's Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 18. That's Isaiah 43, 18 to 19. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth; shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Now this is Isaiah, and he's prophesying let let's do a little bit of context. Um, Israel is now in, in, in the midst of being exiled, right The northern kingdom has already been exiled the a Syrian army came, plundered them, taken them all into exile um, and the southern kingdom with Judah was now in the midst of uh, the invasion of Babylon, and Babylon's invaded them they 've um, plundered them, and now they are in the middle of being exiled and so here 's isaiah he 's already prophesied the first half of his uh, focus has been on Israel. Now he's speaking to Judah, and he begins and, and he prophesies over them, and he's been telling them about this situation, right? And so the context that we are in is here's Israel, all right, um, in the midst of war, hunger, depravity, but they still are not returning back to God, right? And um, so that's that's the context. In fact, if you look at um, just a few verses before we enter into chapter 43, you see um, Isaiah, uh, Isaiah quoting the Lord. Uh, Isaiah speaking on behalf of the Lord. Uh, Isaiah 42 verse 24. Who gave Jacob for plunder and Israel to the robbers? Was it not the Lord? He against whom we have sinned. So this is the voice of Isaiah. And he's explaining to the people of Judah right? Their situation. And he's saying, he against whom we have sinned, for they would not walk in his ways, nor were they obedient to his law. I want you to see um, the shift in pronouns, right? First he says, we. We have sinned. And then he says, they have not walked in his ways, nor have they been obedient to the Lord. He's very careful when he speaks about, um, when he's looking at sin, right? And he's conscious of the fact that it's not just they who have sinned. He knows he's part of that sinful nature, right? And he says, we have sinned, right? Then only he looks at them. He looks at himself and his nature and his brokenness. We have sinned, right? Then he looks at the situation that they are in, right? And he says, they would not walk in his ways, not walking in God's ways, Now, what does it mean, not walking in God's ways? Not walking in God's ways means we walk in our own ways. We are self-directed, right? He goes on to say, no, were they obedient to his law. Not obedient to God's law means I'm obedient to my law. You're obedient to something, right? If you're not obedient to God's law, you're obedient to your own law, right? And that's making your own decisions, making your own choices in life, and that's self governed right? We are self-governed. I want you to notice before we get into the text, right, that shift that happens, we moving to they, right? Why am I making a big thing out of this? Well, you see, as Christians sometimes, we look at they, 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 and we forget the we in the midst of the they, right? Um, he recognized his own sinful nature. And so when he talked about sin, he recognized that he too is part of that sinful nature that exists in in humanity. And he says, we have sinned, right? And the importance of recognizing that we have sinned so that when you look at them, when you look outside you and you see the other, you'll be conscious that even you are party of the grace of God. If not for the grace of God, none of us would be sitting here this morning. And so he's conscious of it. He says, "We, right? Um, so as as far as he is concerned, he too is in the need of God's grace, right? But the they, when he separates the we him from the, them, right? He's talking about this worldview that they have, right? They live. They are not living God directed lives. They are not living God governed lives, right? But he is. He is committed to direction from God. He is committed to governance from God, right? And so he separates that. And if you believe in your own ways, you will be self-directed. If you believe your ways are better, your laws are better, you'll be self-directed, you'll be self-governed. But if you believe God's ways are higher, if you believe that God's laws are perfect, then you will lead a God-directed and God-governed life. So it's not really the behavior that he's looking at. He's looking at the worldview, right? And so when he talks about the people of Israel, he's not looking at behavior. Because the moment you look at behavior, you will judge, And that's what we do. We have tendency to look at people's behavior. And the moment you look at behavior, you will judge. And when you judge, you forget the we, that we too are broken, that we too, all right, have this sinful nature within us that that is constantly in opposition of direction from God, of governance from God. But when you look at worldview, then you understand why some people behave the way they behave right? They have not embraced the fact that God's laws are perfect, and so I embrace your law, Lord. They have not embraced the fact that God's direction is the best. His, His plans and purposes are best, right? And so people behave the way they behave because of a worldview. And if you can understand that, you can separate the we and the they, and you won't look at behavior, but you'll try and change people's Worldview, and how do you change people's worldview when you are self-governed, when you are God-governed, and you are God-directed, and they see the beauty of a of a life that's God-directed, the beauty of a life that's God-governed, and they see the fruit of that—that that will shift worldview, and when worldview is shifted, behavior naturally changes. Right? And so he makes that, that, um, that, that distinction, he, the we and the they. Then he moves on to Isaiah 43 as we begin that chapter and, and enter into our context of our passage. Right? He says, but now, but now, Jacob... Listen to the Lord who created you. You'd expect after we see chapter 42, and you see how the people of God are rebellious still, the people of God are not turning back to God, right? They they continue in their evil ways and wicked ways, uh, and, and how they harm one another, in spite of the fact they are going through hell on earth, they're not turning back to God, right? So you'll expect as Isaiah opens 43 verse 1. You would expect God's voice to be with anger, with judgment, all right? And coming strong against them. But this is the voice of God in chapter 43 verse 1. O Israel, the one who formed you says, Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Instead of that judgmental voice You can't change the nature of God, you see. God is love. And he always desires the best for for you and for me. And so his, his voice to the people, that soft and gentle voice, fear not. Fear not. In the midst of whatever you're going through, fear not. In the midst of your very brokenness, fear not. Even though you stand there and reject me, I am saying to you, fear not. And that's the voice of God to his people. And I want to say that, I just want to highlight the three things, important things, that I think we should carry with us throughout this year, right? And this is his voice, God's voice saying to his people, I have ransomed you. We sang about the cross and the effect of the cross in our lives. Do you truly understand What event that 2,000 years ago occurred, we're going to celebrate Easter, which is one of the most important celebrations that the church can ever have because annually we remind ourselves of that event that happened in history that shifted mankind, right? Forget about the Easter eggs, forget about the chocolates, forget about... Think about the very event, Christ hanging on the cross, dying. Why? He paid the price. It was a costly price. And if he paid the price, then he expects us to embrace the gift that he has ransomed us from our sins. I have ransomed you. The relationship is costly. I have called you my name. by name. The relationship is personal. Do you know that God has a personal relationship with you? Even though you may not think so, but He does. He knows you by name. Not only does He know you by name, He knows every member of your family, every member of your family. He knows them by name. It's personal. Every relationship God has is personal. He doesn't relate to us from a distance. And then he says, I have called you by name. Sorry, then he says, you are mine. Not only is the relationship costly, not only is this relationship personal, this relationship is intimate. You are mine. There's an intimacy that God longs for from the children of God. And so I pray this year, it's, it's, I haven't got to the sermon yet. But I pray this year that you open your heart to this kind of relationship with God. Know that you're ransomed. Nothing can separate you now from the love of God. Know that it's personal. And know that it's intimate. And let's be open to that kind of relationship this year. right? Then you, you go on as you read chapter 43 of Isaiah... Just before it comes to the text we read just now, right? God begins to defend his track record. And if you read chapter 43, in the Hebrew language, it's more legal. It's legal terminology. It's as if God had been taken to court. Because, you, you know, when things, b- bad things happen, we always say, God, why are you, God, you know, we, we, we don't mean to accuse him, but if we could, we would like to take him to court. Because everything that's going on in my life, You could have done something about it, right? If we could sue God, we would. And so the people of God, right, are asking, why is this happening to us? Why is this happening to us? And so God defends himself in the court of law. And how does he defend himself? He speaks about his goodness towards Israel. He talks about how he has blessed them. He talks about how he turned up for them again and again in spite of their rebellion. He turned up for them again and again. And then he reminds them about this huge historic event, right? At the crossing of the Red Sea, and that's in Isaiah 43:16 to 17, immediately before our text this morning, right? He says, "I'm the Lord who opened a way through the waters." making a dry path through the sea, I called forth the mighty army of Egypt with all its chariots and horses. I drew them beneath the waves and they drowned. Their lives snuffed out like a smoldering candle wing. What was he talking about? He was talking about what happened in the book of Exodus, right? When God parted the Red Sea and the people of Israel crossed, they were not even a people, they were not even a nation, but as they, they were a bunch of slaves, a million of them crossed dry land in the midst of the Red Sea. And then when the armies of Egypt, at that time the most powerful army of the then known world, right, when they came with chariots and horses, God snuffed them out. Now he's saying he's reminding them about that. They know this. Right? They've been, they, they celebrate the Passover. Every year, they remind themselves of this very event. How they were not a people, and now they are a people. How they were not a nation, and now they are a nation. They reminded themselves year after year. And so God brings that to them. And then immediately after, he reminds them of this great historic event. This is what he says do not remember the former things. Forget about all that. Forget about everything I've done. Forget, forget it, right? That's weird, isn't it? Here he is reminding them of all he has done. Then he says, forget about it, right? Uh, The NLT says, forget all that. It's nothing compared to what I'm going to do, right? NIV says, do not dwell on the past, right? So we are commanded to forget. And yet, if you look at scriptures... The Bible teaches us to remember, right? Never forget. Remember the Psalms, right? Psalm 103 Bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. So here is Isaiah. In Isaiah, God is saying, forget it. The psalmist is saying, forget not. Who's right? If you know by now, both are right, right? So what what is Isaiah trying to talk about, right? And so this is the thing I want to just share with you. Both are consistent. The psalmist is asking you to remember the who, the source of your blessings, right? Forget not all his benefits. Remember who is blessing you. Remember who has come through for you Remember who turned up for you Every time you prayed Every time you called upon his name Remember who turned up Isaiah is saying Forget how he did it Because he reminded them how he did it In fact he reminded them about How that big event happened Then he's saying forget that Forget the how You know why? If you don't forget the how You'll always expect God to turn up that way and so when God turns up another way, you miss, you miss the whole thing that God has actually turned up, but you're still waiting for God to part the Red Sea. Forget the how. Remember the who. That's basically what Isaiah is he's talking about. Forget the how. Maybe last year he did it that way for you. Forget that. Maybe last year he turned up that way for you. Forget that. Remember the who. Because if you hold on to the how, you will box God this year. You'll put him in a box and expect him to do the same thing. Every revival has had this problem. We look to the last revival and say, God, do it again. But God doesn't want to do it again. God always, the how is, the who never changes. God never changes, but the how always changes. If you study the scriptures, you will see God never repeats himself twice in the way he does something. Right? So I want to encourage you this morning, right? Forget the how. Don't box God, right? We all believe in the impossible God. Right? But then we say, but I've never seen a miracle in my lifetime. What are you saying? You're looking for the how. You're focusing on the how right? Has God changed? No, he hasn't. The same God who parted the Red Sea is the same God we are worshipping today. The how has changed. The who hasn't. We'll say, look, Peter walked on water. I tried that. I sank. You're focusing on the how. The same Christ who called him to step out of the boat is calling you to step out of your circumstances and trust him. The who is the same. The how will always change. And that's what Isaiah is encouraging the people of God. Forget about the crossing of the Red Sea, right? I'm going to do a new thing. So I I put in your notes here, the command to forget the former things is the command to forget how miracles occur. But remember who is the source of those miracles. The command to forget the former things is to prepare you for the new thing God has for you. As you enter 2024, if you don't forget the how, you will miss what God wants to do for you, the new thing God wants to do for you, the new thing God wants to do for your family, the new thing God wants to do in your situation. Forget the how. Remember the who. If you do not forget the how, you will box God. Because he says, I am doing a new thing. Can't you see it? Why does Isaiah say, can't you see it? Because if you are not looking, if you are looking for the old ways of God, you will miss what he's doing now. Right? So let me get back to this. I said, when you hold on to the past, the way it used to be, how God used to do it, you cease to expect anything new from God. Can I repeat this? When you hold on to the past, the way it used to be, how God used to do it, you cease to expect anything new from God. Jesus said that. No one having drunk old wine immediately desires new. For he says, the old is better. I've got to guard myself. After 30 over years of ministry, 58 years old, right? I I can sit down and say, yeah, but those ways of doing it, remember the old Hymns, Man, they moved our hearts. The old is better. I'm not saying hymns, I still sing the hymns. I love the hymns, right? But I'm saying we can get caught up with the how of God and say that was better. That was better, right? And then we stop opening our hearts to new things God wants to do in our lives. If you do not forget the old, you will not be open to new things God wants to do in your life. One more scripture. That's from Apostle Paul. In Philippians 3, verse 13 to 14, he says this, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the price of the upward call in Christ Jesus. Paul says, I forget. He had to forget. He had to forget because he had a haunting past. You see, in his zeal, he didn't realize he was persecuting the church of Jesus Christ. He didn't realize that Christ was the Messiah, right? And part of what would be haunting him was he stood there and watched the martyrdom of Stephen. Can you imagine if that was in your hands, right? Can you imagine how that would haunt you? How do you move forward from that? How do you move forward when you see families whom you persecuted? Now you're teaching them the scriptures. How do you move forward from that unless you forget your past? Somebody this morning needs to hear that. You cannot move forward unless you forget your past. If your past, however haunting, you say, Andrew, you don't know what I've done. Well, you don't know what I've done and you don't know what He's done or she's done. Praise God. That's why God has protected our thoughts. These are hidden things, hidden for a reason, so that you can forget your past and nobody judges you, right? Paul had to do that. But he also had to forget his past, his recent past, because he was so incredibly successful in ministry, As he's writing this in Philippians, there were already letters that he wrote, just letters, but the church was treating it as scriptures even during that time, because it was full of revelation from the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine someone like that, who's influenced the church in such a way as the Old Testament scriptures, and his words are are now seen as scriptures, can you imagine somebody like saying, man, I've arrived, look at me, wow, wow. Moses, Isaiah, Paul, whoo, he had to forget even his present, right? And he says, I forget, forget what lies behind. If it's behind, it's forgotten. Then he presses on. You cannot press on if you don't forget. And that's why this morning, my challenge to you throughout this year is, remember to forget. So let me close with this. Biblical faith is always focused on the future. Biblical faith pushes past the old, reaches into the future, into and expects oncoming blessings of God and faces it head on, expectantly. The command to forget the former things is to prepare you for the new thing God is about to do in your life I don't care how difficult your circumstances are, this year my friend, forget the past reach out to this new thing God wants to do in your life, if you do not forget the old, you will not be open to the new God wants to do in your life, if you don't forget the old, you can't receive God's best for you so this year remember to forget Thanks for listening to this week's sermon podcast. For more resources, or if you would like to support this ministry, visit us at activefaith.org.nz.